Well, this is our third lesson on fasting. And we've been covering this. And, and for some of us, I think we've all, we all know what fasting is. It, but maybe we've learned some new things already that fasting isn't just going without food. Sometimes you can fast and you eat. Uh, like we covered, uh, I believe, in the first lesson, Daniel fasted pleasant bread, which just means stuff you like. Pleasant bread could be coffee, could be chocolates, could be sweets, could be television. Uh, I am currently fasting media because I like to check the news on my phone about 100 times a day. And it's amazing how much things subtly creep in and get a hold of you. And before long, you need deliverance from it. And sometimes you just cut the thing off cold turkey and watch it wither and die. And I, I've found in my own life, when you fast and you come off a fast, you almost feel dirty for coming off the fast because you start eating again or you start drinking coffee again or you start watching television again. And you'd actually gotten your flesh that quickly conditioned to a, a fasted lifestyle. And that's how the thing works. That's why it should work. You need to be clean and looking to get cleaner. And that's one of the things fasting does for you. This lesson is called Things That Fasting Will Accomplish, or What Does It Accomplish? And we've taken this lesson strictly out of Isaiah 58. If you want to, turn in your Bible there. I'm going to read it out of the NIV. I don't usually recommend the NIV, but the NIV is a paraphrase. That means it's not a transliteration or a literal translation of the Bible. It is a paraphrase. That's why we don't recommend it for Bible study, because they kind of just abbreviate some ideas. Sometimes you need the ideas kind of summed up to you. Uh, sometimes you need the literal translation. So this is an instance where we will read Isaiah 58. Follow along out of your Bible as best as you can. I'm going to read it out of the NIV. We'll begin in verse 1. Let me pause there and say this. Isaiah is a pro was a prophet, and he was sent to Israel to begin to warn Israel, stop living so dirty, stop shortchanging God, stop worshiping idols. He was trying to prevent the Babylonian captivity from coming. And he succeeded for a season. And then Jeremiah was raised up and Jeremiah failed. But the whole emphasis of Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel is stop being dirty, stop being dirty. And then they prophesy about Jesus and they'd come back and say, stop being dirty. Because if you keep living dirty, you're going to be held a captive. You're going to be taken away into slavery. And that's how we can judge modern prophets. Modern prophets should be telling us, stop living dirty. And here comes Jesus. And we don't see that much. That's why there are not many true prophets in the land. But Isaiah 58, this again is Isaiah rebuking Israel for being dirty. So let's see what it says. Verse 1, shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the house of Jacob their sins. So that's the job of any good preachers to let you know how sinful you are. Verse 2, for day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its gods. They ask me for just decisions and they seem eager for God to come near them. Verse 3, why have we fasted, they say, and you've not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, God speaking now, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. We can stop there and say, you got to be careful when you're fasting food because that might make you crabby. And if your fasting is making you crabby, you're defeating the purpose because fasting should make you spiritual. And if you're married, your spouse should not be able to tell that you're fasting. Now, they should know you are, but they shouldn't be able to tell a crabby change in your attitude. Because if there is a crabby change in your attitude, it's a worthless fast. Your fasting should be you seeking God. And though your, hump, your stomach is growling, you should not be growling. 
Your stomach can growl, but that doesn't give you the right to growl at your spouse or your coworkers or your children. And, and so mommy has to say, well, honey, just stay away from dad. He's fasting right now, seeking God. <laughs> Wait, stay away from dad. He's seeking God. Yeah, he's going to bite your head off because it hasn't eaten in two days. So he may eat you. So we see this. We, we're already guilty of this sometimes. Some of you, if you don't get your coffee, you're crabby. Or if you don't get your chocolate, women, you're crabby. And so we, we're already seeing what we need, need to be careful of. Your, your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for a man to humble himself? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed or for lying on sackcloth and ashes? Uh, is this what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? And what he's rebuking him for is you're just going through the religious motions. You're just bowing your head down. You're just putting sackcloth and ashes on. You're just going without food. There's no spiritual change. You're just going through the religious motions. And we can understand that. Again, just going without food does not make it a spiritual event. Ethiopians go without food. A lot of Africans go without food. A lot of Asians go without food. A lot of folks in America go without food. It does not make them spiritual. It makes them hungry. So, and just because you put sackcloth and ashes on, that doesn't mean you're truly humble. That just means you took your nice clothes off and now you're wearing ratty clothes and you have ash on your face. And just because you bow your head, it doesn't mean you're bowing your head seeking God. You could bow your head to pick up a golf ball. You could bow your head to pick up a penny and that doesn't make you spiritual. So the rebuke here, because these first couple verses are what's wrong with your fast. And the next several verses teach us what we are to do with our fast. And that's what our curriculum is built on. But I just want to exhort you on this and read it to you out of the scriptures first. Verse six, this is where God begins to describe his kind of fast. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe him and not turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth and the, like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness or your righteous one will go before you and the glory of the Lord uh, will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord your God will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord and I will cause you to ride on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. Isaiah 58 is an awesome chapter to know because it is our chapter of the whole Bible on fasting. It tells us everything we need to know about fasting. And so it's worth studying. Study it in your King James. Study it in your New King James. Study it in the NIV. Study it in the NAS. Study it out of the Amplified because you'll get to see things you've never seen before. And those are wonderful promises. And the whole thing hinges on you fasting, putting your flesh under and seeking Him. 
So look at your curriculum. We want to go through this line by line. This is only a one-page curriculum because we're just going to dissect that chapter. And this, in a sense, is an exegetical lesson. We just happen to have a curriculum for it. What does fasting accomplish? The 58th chapter of Isaiah is considered one of the greatest passages of scriptures concerning the subject of fasting. The historical and spiritual setting for this passage of scripture is as follows. Israel was backsliding away from the Lord God again and began serving other gods, yet continued to keep some of God's ordinances like fasting. They had made fasting a religious show and wondered why it wasn't working for them. Thus God answers with the rebuke and instructions of Isaiah 58, 1-14. The first five verses are a rebuke. The next seven are fasting promises. This passage is the subject of our lesson. So we want to look at some of the things fasting will accomplish for you because if you see what it will do for you, you might be more eager to fast. And again, rely upon our other lessons on this that you don't just have to go without food. You can go without television. You can go without coffee. You can go without sweets. You can go without chocolate. Maybe you've got an ice cream thing and you need deliverance from it. Maybe going without ice cream is a big deal. Maybe you need to go get up, start getting up earlier in the morning. Maybe you fast sleeping in. Maybe for you it's fasting television. So the good thing is it's not just food. But the bad thing is there's probably other things you need to cut out of your life too. And they're just as powerful as food is. For me, honestly, fasting food is not an issue. I I could go two or three days without food, no problem. But I've got other things that like to grip me. Maybe for you, if you think about skipping breakfast, all of a sudden you you start shriveling up. Oh my gosh, I can't skip breakfast. You got to get over that. For me personally, it's nothing for me to skip two meals a day. Of course, when I sit down, then I eat everything and then my fingers at the same time. But then I can go two more meals without, uh, two more meals without eating, and that's all right. But we need to look at this. Uh, verse 6, the first thing fasting says you, it will do is it will uh, loose the bands of wickedness in your life. If you've got sin controlling your life, fasting will loose this. And it's interesting because it, it talks about it being bands. That's kind of a King James word for iron fetters or for handcuffs. Sometimes sin has just got you handcuffed and you, you've got some motion in it. You can do some things, but you're not free. One of the things fasting will do is break those bands or we could say handcuffs will be a modern translation. Break the handcuffs of sin in your life. Maybe you're bound to pornography. Maybe you're bound to slander. Maybe you're bound to gossip. Maybe you're bound to worry. That stuff is like handcuffs. Fasting, it says, it promises you here, will loose the bands. It'll, it'll loosen it up so you can get away from it. Notice it doesn't say it will destroy it. It doesn't say it will break it. It will just loose it. It becomes your job to walk away from it. Most of the sin in our life, we can get free from if we want to, but we always seem to return. And that's why the Bible says we're like dogs. We always return to our vomit. You know, the whole reason the dog vomits it up is because it's got worms in it or bacteria or it's rotten. And the dog's stomach says, whoa, we can't handle this. And so then the dog goes away and he gets about five steps away and then he serves the God of his belly again. Wait a minute, there's a hot meal right there. And he comes back and laps it up. We do the same thing. We get free from sin for a day, a week, a month. And then all of a sudden it starts calling us again. And we, we, we always return to the same pile of vomit. Have you noticed you're not inventing any new sins in your life? It, nobody here is going out and experimenting with homosexuality. Really, none of us here are experimenting with any new sin. We are hung up on the same old, same old. We get so far away, and it's like we can't escape the gravitational pull of the vomit pile. Ah. Mm, Corn? I don't remember eating corn. (laughs) 
<laughs> See, it looses the bands, but once it's loosed, just because the handcuffs are loose doesn't mean you actually get free yourself. But fasting will loose this. And once it's loose, you better get the stuff off of you and you get away. Even the police officers, they have to pinch them down so tight because some of those little thugs, you know, they can get their hands out of them, even though they're pretty snug. They got to cinch them down tighter. And I always love to hear stories where the police officer says, or the cop, you know, the, the, the little thug, hoodlum, robber, thief, crook who needs to be whipped with a blackjack. Uh, officer, these are too tight. Oh, I'm sorry. Snap, snap. How about that? That's even tighter. Yeah, you deserve it. <laughs> One of the things I like is that uh, the original Hebrew says it looses the pangs and the griefs of injustice and harm. We talked about that last week. That's emotional bondage, pangs. You know, somebody's done you wrong and it pangs you. We said last week, like a, not like a hunger pang, but an emotional pang. You think about how daddy did you wrong, or how mama did you wrong. You think about how a spouse did you wrong, or how a son has done you wrong, and it pangs you. And just thinking about it hurts your heart. And sometimes that can become an oppressive yoke. It can become a burden. But fasting will set you free from emotional hurt. If you want free from it. Now, it's not the only thing that can set you free from it. Just like fasting is not the only thing that will set you free from sin. But we're talking about the tool of fasting here. So if you're still struggling with some kind of emotional hurt, this, this, this verse in the Hebrew also says fasting will set you free from emotional pain. You've lost a loved one or you went through a divorce or, or uh, you were betrayed or you were fired. or I mean, emotional hurt comes in about a million and five forms. Fasting will set you free from every one of them. And that's a cool thing. Injustice and harm. Maybe you lost a lawsuit and we're done injustice. You know, maybe I've, I've had to deal with my emotions dealing with insurance from time to time. Both when I got sick with meningitis and we were trying to get an airplane ticket back, I was being done injustice. That's not insurance, that's an airplane ticket. And I had to fight racism with a bunch of Indians at a call center over in Punjab, India, because they would not give me my $1,000 for the a trip to Ireland I didn't go on. And so I had some emotional pangs. I was becoming racist towards Indians because they were my problem because they wouldn't give me my money. And I made a new racial slur called a Punjab. It's a bunch of Punjabs won't give me that money. Well, that's not a racial slur, but it was becoming one quickly in my heart because every time I talked on those, to those Indians, I'm sorry, we cannot be giving you this money right now. I was like, give me my money. I mean, it was, oh, it was a six-month ordeal. And you can become racist very quickly if you don't get your emotions under control. And I've got nothing against Indians, just those at the call center in Punjab who wouldn't give me my $1,000 because I owed it to Brother Robert and I was going to get it back to him. But I could have fasted and gotten the victory over that. Uh, <laughs> or when, when we were dealing with insurance, we were trying to get maternity insurance for my wife and we were done wrong by our insurance company. And I called up that insurance agent and I said, sir, this is your fault and you know it. And I don't want a baby right now but the more I'm not able to have a baby right now, the more I'm wanting a baby right now and you're stopping me and that makes me very angry. That injustice was starting to rise up big on the inside of me and I had to kind of calm myself down a little bit because he was getting in my way. It was injustice, it was his fault, he was gonna make me pay for it. I'm not paying for what's your fault. So fasting can help you get the victory of that or you can speak the word, but we're talking about fasting. Dr. James. Okay, you, you say you decided to fast whatever reason. How do you go about, are you talking to God, so I was praying to God to say, okay, God, I'm going to fast, such and such, and do you specify an amount of time, or do you recognize when to stop the fast? You, do you understand what I'm saying? Sure. Uh, 
You know, that sometimes God leads you to fast and he'll tell you how long to fast for, you know, fast for three days. Sometimes you just have to, uh, one of the things we'll look in the next lesson is declaring a fast. And you can just randomly declare one for your family. A pastor has every right to declare a fast for his church. We have lots of Bible examples where the kings would declare a fast and the whole nation had to obey. You know, it, it's, it's, it's kind of a loose rule there spiritually. We started off this whole curriculum by saying there's only one commanded fast in the entire Bible, and that was on the Day of Atonement, and it was only till the evening where they were to afflict their souls and humble themselves before their God. It, you know, for me personally, I guess we can base it on my experience. Right now, I am fasting media, not reading the news at all, and I did that for a week, and I, I, I was trying to check something yesterday, and so I read a few news articles. I will probably do this indefinitely. It has so freed me up from all sorts of pressure because you get, Dr. Barclay says, when you listen to the prophets of the land, you start to build faith in that. And if you obsess over the news, and I had almost gotten there, I check CNN every day, MSNBC, uh, USA Today, Drudge Report, Fox News, and I'm talking 10, 15 times a day. All of a sudden, I'm thinking the world's coming to an end tomorrow. And if I'm not careful as a pastor, that affects how I preach. And I get, now we start stockpiling food and, and I start telling you to get guns and I get all weird and Glenn Beckish on you. Ugh. I'm so free. I think everything's awesome now because I don't watch the news. I'm like, man, this is awesome. God ain't warning me about nothing. But Dr. Barkley does say the prophets of the land are the talking heads and you got to be careful how much you listen to them. So for me, I just decided to do it for a week, but I feel so good now. I love myself. I love my community. I love my nation again. I think I'm going to stop watching the news for a long time. And, and that becomes just abstinence and abstaining from it. But uh, go ahead. Well, I guess if, if it was something specific, such that, let's say, you did, didn't want to eat chicken, okay? And sure. you decide to say, okay, do you say, Lord, I'm going to fast chicken for a certain amount of time? As, as you honoring God to, to... Well, you know, part of fasting is, is you fast something that's got a hold of you. Right. You know, for me to fast uh, Kool-Aid, ain't no big deal. I don't drink Kool-Aid as it is. Or for me to fast, um, you know, steak. I love steak, but... I, I mean, I could go weeks without eating. It wouldn't bother me. You know, for me, if I'm going to fast, it's either going to be all food, everything, or it's going to be coffee because those are two things I live by or like to eat every day. I mean, I have a Starbucks in my office right now that I was looking. I was like, oh, I got five minutes for Sunday school and this thing's half full and I can't drink it that fast. So I have to finish it after church this morning. That's what I'm going to fast. I think just through my experience and from the word and as I understand spiritual law, if you fast something and it no longer becomes a hold of you, you can't call that a fast anymore. It just becomes a lifestyle. You know, it no longer has a hold of you. But the whole reason, again, that we fast is to afflict your soul. You're putting some kind of duress on your soul. And the idea is to get yourself free and to seek God because you need him more because now you got something in your soul screaming at you. You have to say, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. I'm hungry. Lord, help me. I want to check the news. Lord, help me. Uh, I'm tempted to go over here and drink Kool-Aid. Lord, that gospel chicken over there is really crying. My Lord, I can smell Popeye's. Lord, I can smell KFC right now. Lord, I can't even go to South Side of Jefferson anymore because Kentucky Fried Chicken is on the corner. And if the wind shifts right, I'm in sin. But what's, you know, KFC don't bother me a bit, so it's not going to be a fast for me. So it has to be something that afflicts your soul. And you do it for a season. And like certain things like bread and water, you have to have. So you can only do that for a period of time. Next class, we'll talk about how long do I fast for. And one of the things we point out is that medically speaking, you can only go 40 days without food and your body fails and you die. And the longest fasts we have in the Bible are 40 days. But there's only three people in the Bible that fasted 40 days. Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. 
They were both very, 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 very supernatural. One was the son of God anointed for his ministry. The second was Moses up on the mountain with God for 40 days, getting the Ten Commandments. And the third had his last meal prepared by an angel. And the Bible says, and he went in the strength of that meat 40 days. Ironically enough, all three of them appear on the Mount of Transfiguration in the Gospels. So I would almost say, don't even fool with a 40-day fast. I know a lot of churches do it, but you honestly, you can't operate without food for 40 days. Not, maybe if you're a preacher and you can do juices, but that's not, we're not even talking about Moses and they didn't even do juices. They had nothing for 40 days, but it was a supernatural thing. But most of the time it's going to be one, two, three days if it's food or water. Really water, you can only go about two or three days without, then you die. So you need to be drinking water, but you've got to be careful. And really a lot of this we'll deal with next lesson. I want to get through this. So hope, maybe write these questions down. We actually have a five Sunday month this month. So maybe we collect questions and we can answer a lot of it on our fifth Sunday when we don't have a curriculum written. So maybe we do that. Maybe as you think of questions this morning, write them down, tear them off, give them to me, and we can do a bunch of questions and answers the fifth Sunday. How's that sound? All right. Because we'll get more questions the next two services. And at the same time, we'll begin to develop more of an understanding of fasting. Because it is a true thing. America has lost the art of fasting. We don't even know what it is anymore. Because it's not a diet. Because if you're fasting to diet, you're not spiritual. You're carnal. You're naturally minded. You're just trying to lose weight. And once you stop fasting, you're going to get pudgy again. And the little muffin top's going to come back. And you're going to say, what am I doing? You're getting fat again. Because it was not a fasted lifestyle. It was just a three-day fast. Amen. So let's look at number two. Fasting will undo the bands of the yoke. Again, it's almost like in that verse, because those are verses six, the, next, the first three are from verse six. It's almost to emphasize whatever's got you, whether it's pornography, whether it's stealing, whether it's vain imaginations, whatever the yoke is, uh, emotional hurt, emotional harm, regardless of the yoke, fasting helps break it. It helps loose it. It undoes it. And that's, that's probably one of the best reasons to fast is to get yourself free from some areas. We can might say it this way, in the natural fasting makes you skinnier so you can pull your, hand, your head out of the, the yoke. You can pull your hands out of the handcuffs and it gets you free. Because most of the time we're bound to sin because our appetites love it and we're too yielded to appetites. And as parents, you should teach your children not to yield to their appetites. You should get on your child and say, honey, uh, I don't mean to hurt your feelings, but you're eating way too much. And uh, we, medical science tells us that America's got the fattest kids on the planet. Why? Because we have the fattest parents on the planet. And like begats like. And if we could be more disciplined with our own life, we could help our children be disciplined. You know, we can go round and round arguments on genetics. And some people say, well, I just can't lose weight. Hogwash. I put you in a POW camp, you'll lose weight. I give you 500 calories a day, you will lose weight. Your problem is your appetites control you. They rule you. They dominate you. And it's a simple calorie budget. You take in more than you put out and you get fat. God made this body wonderfully. And the reason your children are fat is because you let them eat too much. And if you let them eat too much as a five-year-old and a 10-year-old and a 15-year-old, they will live a life always bound to sin because all they know how to do is yield to their appetites. Now, maybe God's blessed a couple of them with fast metabolisms like Jeff King or Tony Marable, and those guys could eat 10,000 calories a day and still lose weight. But that's like 1% of the population, not the rest of us. You've got to live a life where you control your appetites and your appetites don't control you. You don't, I mean... Europeans come to America and they say, your portions are huge. Yeah, because our people are. Or is it the egg came first and then the chicken? 
or our people are huge because our portions are huge. See, Europeans come here like, how can you eat all this? Because I'm an American. God bless America and my big rump. You don't have to clean your plate and you don't have to have three helpings. And honestly, your stomach will adapt. This is the key. One of the things to fasting is you get your appetites under control. And it's not just a stomach appetite. It's a visual appetite. We're the most entertainment-driven nation and culture on the planet. We can't get enough television. We can't get enough of everything we have. Everything we have, we indulge in. We are sloppy, lazy, obese, gross. Anything we want, we want, and we want it yesterday, and we want it double-sized, super-sized, super-big gulp, and we want it half off, and we want to pay for it with food stamps. Hoorah, God bless America. And I say all the time, if it weren't for China and India being on the exact opposite of the earth and balancing out our weight, we'd tumble out of orbit because America's that fat and lazy and sloppy. Our 300 million people weigh as much as their 2 billion people. Amen. But they, they, they live hand to mouth. We sit down and just live by the mouth. <laughs> Amen. So one of the heart, the heart of fasting is you get your appetites under control. You get your appetites under control. And if you can get your natural appetites under control, you can get your sinful appetites under control. And don't mistake yourself or fool yourself. You can be in sin with your natural appetites as far as food. You can be in sin with your natural appetites because you just give your flesh anything it wants. And the Bible says, keep your flesh under, put your body under, bring it into subjection. You make your body the subject. Instead, our body says, give me, and we become the subject. And we chase after it. Fasting will break this from you. But if you're one to give yourself food, 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 you'll give yourself porn, porn, porn. You'll give yourself worry, worry, worry. You'll give yourself debt, debt, debt. You'll give yourself cigarette, cigarette, cigarette. Get your appetites under control. Fasting helps you do that. Amen. And see, honestly, I don't, talking with Pastor Mark Donald and other Africans, they almost shake their head and they have to explain to their contemporaries in Africa, the Americans think cigarettes is a chemical addiction. And they say that as of, almost to say, bless their stupid hearts. Americans are much more lenient with cigarette smokers. In fact, Pastor Mark Donald was telling us in Africa, if you smoke cigarettes, you don't get to go do outreach. They don't allow you to evangelize because you're not mature enough yet and you're not spiritual and you have no right being on the devil's territory evangelizing if you can't get free from something like a little cancer stick. They think you're a weak, sissy Christian and you have no right. He said, you can stay at home and pray for us, but you're not coming with us because you're not worthy. You're not mature enough. You're not strong enough. It's an appetite. And I, I amaze as a Southerner among Southern poverty that we'll use our food stamps and our wick to buy cigarettes. Hey, I know you can't do it, but you'll, you'll run a scam to buy cigarettes and you'll go hungry, but you'll give yourself cigarettes. I almost, I kind of have a little bit of a policy in the church. If you come to my church smell like cigarettes, I'm not buying you groceries and I'm not paying you utilities. Those cigarettes cost you five bucks a pack a day 150 bucks a month, and you want me to pay your utility bill? You smell like cigarettes. Go away. Sorry. Get free from cigarettes. You get hungry enough, you'll quit smoking. Unless you're Pavlov's dog. And you're just conditioned. You'd rather have the cigarette than food. That's the problem with flesh, is it always wants more, it wants more, and it's weak. And that's why you fast 
to get the Spirit of God helping your sinful, carnal, filthy, dirty flesh. And every one of us in here ought to be able to live a fasted life where we can control any appetite at any time. You ought to just get mad at your flesh sometimes and say, you know what? You won't leave me alone about that Mountain Dew. So guess what, flesh? No Mountain Dew for you for a week. And just tell it how it's going to be. You tell everybody else how it's going to be. Except for when it's you, because then you're the princess and you want to be pampered and catered to. Flesh, you want coffee so bad, no coffee for three hours. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> you want to watch another TV show? No more TV shows till tomorrow morning at 2 a.m. And it's midnight. <laughs> you got to get your appetites under control. Fasting helps you do this because it breaks these bonds and these yokes that bind you. Your biggest enemy is not Lucifer or some familiar spirit. It's your carnal flesh and your weird thinking. You're your biggest enemy. Don't fool yourself. You can't just blame it. It's the devil. It's the devil making me think that. It's the devil making me want to smoke that cigarette. It's the devil making me want to eat ice cream. No, it's you and your carnal. You're bound to yourself. The devil tempted me to go buy those shoes again. No, you're carnal. And your appetites are out of control. And they're wild weeds and vines. And you got to ring them in. Bring them in. Lose some weight. Honestly, we ought to have a healthy, lean church. Amen. Spiritual people are not chubby and overweight. Now, unfortunately, preachers get chubby and overweight because everywhere we go, the best people have is food. And so we eat big meals at 10 o'clock at night and then we go to bed and wake up feeling fat and nasty. I've told my wife, I said, new rule. And we have that like every three months. New rule. We don't eat out after Sunday night services. And it's not Taco Bell and it's not Chili's. And it's, it's all these things because I wake up in the morning just feeling like somebody poured hot chili on me. Ugh. burping and, you know, just feel greasy. But sometimes flesh is not mature enough to go home and just have a salad or go home and just have a hot pocket or go home and just have a bowl of cereal. It's nine o'clock. I haven't eaten since lunch. I, you don't need it. Your stomach says it does, but that's the God of your stomach speaking. You just don't need it. See, you gotta, fasting helps keep these appetites under control. I fast coffee a lot because I drink coffee a lot. And I don't have a caffeine addiction. I can come off a coffee and it does nothing to me. It doesn't keep me awake. I can drink an espresso or latte at midnight and I can go right to bed. It doesn't affect me in that regard. I just like the taste of it. And you just, anything, just like checking the news on your Blackberry or your iPhone or maybe playing apps on your iPhone or maybe you just listen to music way too much. That stuff, your flesh is so programmable and so addictable. It will addict itself to anything you give it. And that's why you fast to break that addiction. Now, we're not talking chemical addictions. It's just a carnal flesh addiction. Some people are addicted to having five showers a day. You don't need five showers a day. That becomes obsessive compulsive. Some people, you know, uh, they got to check their hair every 20 minutes. You don't have to check your hair every 20 minutes. That's, that's obsessive. That's the flesh dominating you. That's one of the reasons we fast. We, we got, we're only on point two and we got 12 minutes left. We got to go through this. <laughs> Fasting lets the oppressed, broken, and crushed go free from slavery. The Hebrew uses the term slavery. The grievously oppressed, discouraged, and bruised. Again, fasting will get you over your emotional insecurities. If you're a woman, sometimes we have men that are this way. You're very emotional. You're very up and down. The slightest thing makes you cry or you're hurt or you're still throbbing from something 20 years ago. Fasting will set you free from that. The Bible promises us so. We don't understand how this works. 
It's spiritual though, but we don't understand how salvation really works. How did God become man and die on a cross and go to hell for us and that saves us from hell and yet we get to live with Jesus for eternity? How do we even have God on the inside of us and yet we're not God, yet we're one spirit with God? We don't understand, it just is. How does fasting break you from your emotional insecurities and your emotional weaknesses? We don't understand this, it just does. We could dissect it, but we get so deep we get weird. You say, praise God, I was emotional and I skipped jelly donuts for a month and now I'm free. That's a pretty cool trade-off because you got free from jelly donuts and your emotional insecurities. Amen. Fasting lets us break every yoke. The verse goes on to say, and that you, Christian who fasts, can then go break every yoke. So it doesn't just loosen it, but it breaks yokes in your life and then it somehow empowers you to help other people break yokes in their life. That's a pretty cool thing, especially if you're a minister or if you have a heart to want to minister to people. You don't just have to be a preacher to help minister to folks. You, every one of us is called to break yokes and to set people free, to preach deliverance to the captive. And fasting gets you the victory so then you can go get somebody free. It'd be, if not, you're hanging in jail like they did in the old times, hanging by chains. Hey, I'm going to get you out of here. Yeah. Yeah, trust me, I'm going to set you free. Nobody's going to listen to that. But if you come in and you got the keys, I'm here to set you free. I'll follow you wherever you tell me to go. But, and fasting is what gets you free and gives you the keys at the same time. Uh, point five, fasting gives us the opportunity to feed the poor with our bread. We don't like to talk about that. I, I will say this to the American church's shame, and there's a balance to it. The Mormon church does this actively. The Mormons, the, those pagan heathen going to hell, following Joseph Smith and Brigham Young, who built their doctrine on polygamy and sexual sin. They fast every Friday and they save that money and it goes into a national account that they then feed the poor with and the hungry. That's part of their doctrine. That's part of the Mormon church culture. We don't do it. The balance of, of it is here in America, we don't have any truly poor or truly hungry. You have to find, look hard to find them. What we have is lazy, welfare recipients, people who are shiftless and don't want to do for themselves. Uh, now, there are truly poor folks, and we, we do reach out to those. And most of the time it's children, though, because the parents are the useless ones. So we have to use a lot of wisdom here in America. Overseas, it's a different story. In the third world, it's a different story, where they truly, they work from morning to night and they get one meal for it. That kind of person you can invest in, and they'll go, they'll go the distance with you. But in America, you got people that lay up in government housing, don't do a thing and want me to pay for it. I'm not going to help that person. The only reason I do help them is because I have to through my taxes. But one of the things the Bible teaches us we can do is when we fast, we can save that money or set that food aside and feed those that are truly hungry and truly needy. In America, we have to look hard to find that. But overseas, this scripture might be a lot more applicable. So that's one thing we can do. Fasting allows us to bring the afflicted to our house. You know, it gives you extra money. It gives you extra food. You can bring somebody. You can open your house up. And nowadays, again, we have to be careful. We're not going to follow this uh, gung-ho. We have to use wisdom because there's a lot of folks in the streets of Cookville I would command you not to bring into your house. We have folks that come into this church. I would tell you don't take them to lunch and don't take them home. You have to use a lot of wisdom and discretion in the day and age that we live in. We got a lot of lunatics, a lot of psychos, a lot of pedophiles. And sometimes the best you can believe with somebody is Jesus wants to save them and get them delivered from these demons. 
That's often the best you can believe. So these are things we can do with fasting, but I don't, I, I give you this because I don't want you to go, well, if I'm going to fast, then I should bring a homeless person to my house. Be very, very careful. Don't be stupid. Don't be naive. Yes, it's in the word. Yes, there's a time to do it. We include it because it's in this passage, but in our day and age, don't be stupid. Use wisdom and be led by the Holy Ghost, all right? Fasting opens up your heart to clothe the naked. Uh, we're all for that. You know, when we go to Africa, we leave clothes there. Clothing is not so much, uh, it's not so much a need anymore. Uh, we, we go to Africa and we see even the poorest people. We were in Uganda and I saw somebody wearing like a Phoenix Coyotes hockey jersey. Like, wait, I'm in Uganda, the pearl of Africa, and that kid on the street has a Phoenix Coyotes hockey jersey on? That's crazy. Clothing has already disseminated around the world. If you find any people naked anymore, it's usually on a college campus and they're drunk frat boys. <laughs> don't give them any money or clothing and don't give them their shirt off their back. We're not going to run into clothing issues here in America. We understand that. Maybe overseas, maybe Africa, maybe Asia, maybe South America, Central America, and we'll take care of that. But honestly, the, the American church has done such a good job taking clothes all over the world. But this is just another thing in this passage we want to let you know. Clothing allows you to open your heart. The key there is you open your heart. You're getting free in your heart to take care of somebody you wouldn't normally take care of. Maybe one of the things we could say is when you fast, it'll open your heart to help the spiritually naked the spiritually homeless, the spiritually hungry. When you fast, it gets you free from the fear to witness to others. And you can clothe the spiritually naked with the robe of righteousness through salvation. You can clothe the spiritually hungry with giving the bread of life. And it'll set you free in your heart so you'll go witness to that homosexual in Walmart or witness to that big thug at the, at the store or witness to that lesbian at Cracker Barrel or witness to that mean-looking man there at Hardee's. It opens your heart to do these things. So don't think natural all the time. You can also think spiritual. Point eight, fasting opens your heart to reach your own family. There's a reason to fast. Maybe you hate your mom. Maybe you hate your dad. Maybe you hate the uncle. Maybe you should fast for him and change your heart. But that's what verse uh, seven says. Point nine, fasting will cause your light to break forth like a new day. Now here's the neat thing. The first eight points is what fasting does for you or excuse me, what allows you to do. And the next couple points is what fasting will do for you or cause to break forth in your life in that it'll cause your light to break forth like a new day. You're depressed, you're discouraged, you're weighted down, you fast. It takes this stuff off of you. You get excited. It brings light to you. I'm almost embarrassed to tell you that I was so hooked on news and just Drudge Report and Fox News and CNN, just sometimes out of boredom, it began to really bring my soul down. Because all I'm seeing is death every day, destruction, Muslim insurrection, Muslim insurrection, Muslim insurrection, this, this law against the church, this law against our privacy, this law against our rights. Lord God, you feed on that every day, you get depressed. But now that I've shut that off for a week and just prayed and sought God and gone about my business, all that stuff has just kind of moved through and I'm a lot more optimistic and hopeful. It's caused my light to break through and I got to eat anything I wanted to this week. It was just my blackberry, I was really fasting. You know, what do you feed on? Maybe you fast friends. Maybe, maybe you're worried about a kid, a child, a mom. Why don't you just fast that? Fast them. Fast that situation. Just don't have any contact with them for a week. It won't be a sin to not have any contact with your mom or dad for a week or your kids for a week, unless, of course, they live with them. Then you need to have contact with them. But, you know, you don't have to Facebook Aunt Jackie every day. Oh, my God. How are you doing? I, I was worried about you. 
Well, you worried about me every five minutes for the last 25. This is obsessive. Maybe you should fast Facebook. Maybe you should fast texting. Give your thumbs a break. They will thank you for it. We have invented a new medical condition called like text thumb. It's a real thing. And now they're talking about children getting carpal tunnel because they're like, like a little woodchuck or something. Yeah, I'm amazed more people haven't been killed driving doing the thing. It'll cause your life to break forth like a new day. We could all afford a new day in our life. Fasting will give you a new day. Point 10, fasting will cause healing to come to fruition. How about that? You go without food and healing comes. When's the last time you fasted and sought God for healing? But that's what the Bible says. Fasting will cause you to get healing in your body. And not just because you let your body kind of purge itself and, and kind of cleanse itself, but because you're seeking God and it's setting you free. We understand that a lot of sickness has spiritual implications, spiritual ties. Maybe you have heart conditions because you watch news too much. Maybe, you know, you have heart issues because you've opened the, your, your life to pornography and you fast this stuff and you start getting free. But either way, fasting's pretty good. Point 11, fasting will cause you to walk in righteousness again. So you've been dirty, you've been discouraged, you felt like an outcast. Fasting will bring you some confidence and you'll get to walk in righteousness again. That's a good reason to fast. Lord, I feel dirty. Well, just go without food for two or three meals and seek God during your lunch break and your dinner break. You, you, you'll come out of that with confidence. You might as well break this thing now then go another whole month without feeling righteous or confident. Anytime the devil wants to put condemnation on you or beat you up, you ought to just fast. Say, devil, flesh, we're going to go all day without eating and we're going to pray when we get home tonight from work and we're going to seek God and I'm putting a stop to this now. I think, though, we don't do that because we'd rather be depressed and have a full stomach. That, again, is serving the God of your belly. I mean, if you could go a whole day without eating and it sets you free for three months, my God, pay me now so you don't have to pay me later. But, again, that comes back to the American flesh culture Give it to me and give it to me yesterday and give it to me half off and can I buy it with food stamps? Yeah. <laughs> 12, uh, fasting will cause the glory of God to guard you again. We all need the glory of God guarding us in this day and age. The verse says he'll be your, your rear reward, which is your rear guard. If you need protection, go overseas, you're going on a business trip, you know, you're going to go home to Africa to visit family, you might want to fast a day or two to get the protection of God on you. We see that in Ezra. When they had come to the edge of the river, which was the end of Babylon, and they were about to travel five months across the desert, he said, we had no protection because I had talked a big game towards the king. So I proclaimed a fast, and we fasted for 12 days that we might seek God for his hand upon us and that it might go well with us and our substance and our little ones. And then he says, and God was entreated of us, and he came upon us, and, and we entered Jerusalem. And there's like five months of gap where the Bible doesn't record anything because it was eventless. That's what you want most of the time is an eventless occasion. You want, how was your trip, Pastor? Eventless. That's a good trip. How was your trip down to Baton Rouge? Eventless. That's, we, we like those. We had three flat tires. A bird hit my window, cracked it. Got to get that replaced. Somebody keyed my car at the truck stop and the toilet overflowed on my wife at the truck stop. That's not a good trip. All you want to hear is we drove, we listened to music, we listened to preaching, we got gas, dinner, and we got home. Sometimes you got to fast and get God back on you to protect you or to refresh the guard. 12, fasting will cause the glory of God to guard you again. 13, fasting will cause the Lord to answer you and say, here I am. That may be the most powerful out of this whole passage, that when you fast and cry out to God, he answers you and says, here I am. 
That's worth looking at. Uh, 14, fasting will help you stop blaming everybody else. That's in that passage of scripture. Stop pointing the finger. You like to blame everybody. It's their fault. It's their fault. It's my wife's fault. It's my husband's fault. It's my friend's fault. Grow up. Fasting will help you do so. There's nothing worse than people pointing fingers. Well, it's my husband. It's the woman you gave me. It's the children. It's, no, just shut up. Stop blaming everybody else. You failed because you're carnal. You failed because you're heathen. Fasting will help you stop blaming everybody. Some of us are guilty of that. We ought to fast it. Fifteen, fasting will help you to get the victory over your mouth. Wow. And that's not just because you're not opening it to shove food in it again. But it helps you get your appetites under control. If you're one to complain, you need victory over your mouth. If you're one to slander, you need victory. Fasting helps you do this. It's in this passage of scriptures. 16, fasting will cause thy light to rise in obscurity. You're obscure. Nobody knows you. You're nothing on the job. Fasting will help you come to the surface there. You know, you, you feel like you're in a dead-end job. Because this is what I think of when I think of obscurity. You're at the bottom of the totem pole. You're living in the cubicle farm. Nobody knows you. The boss doesn't know you. You're on the factory line. You fast and seek God. Your light will come. That boss will begin to notice you. Promotion will come. Your light will rise out of obscurity. All because you fast and seek God. It's a good reason to fast. 17, fasting will cause your darkness to become like the noonday. Fast, 18, fasting will cause you to hear the Lord's directions continually. Fasting is a good time uh, to get direction from God. Lord, I don't know what to go. Lord, do I go on this mission trip? Do I go on that mission trip? Lord, do I invest, invest in this stock? Do I invest in that stock? Lord, do I put my kid in this college? Do they need to go to that college? Lord, do I need to buy this car? Do I need to buy that car? Fasting helps you hear directions. Because it gets everything still and quiet because you're not listening to the stomach growling or the eyes wanting to be entertained or the ears wanting to hear another song. It gives you direction. 19, fasting will cause your soul to be satisfied and even prosper when things have dried up in your life. Fasting will help you stop complaining. It will make you thankful. Lord, you've given me so much because you're able to slow down and see what he has done for you as opposed to, well, he hasn't. You ain't done this for me. You ain't done this for me. You ain't done this for me. Still living here. I'm still living there. Just shut up and fast, and you'll begin to see how good you really do have it. Fasting will cause you to, water, to be watered by the Spirit of God, a refreshing that will cause you to bear much fruit. 21, fasting will cause things that have fallen apart in your life to be rebuilt. It could be marriages, could be relationships, could be friendships, could be a ministry. Fasting causes things to be rebuilt. 22, fasting will give you a good name, repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. These are 22 really good reasons to fast. Do you really need any more? So sorry to have to blow through that. It is Sunday school. We get 45, 50 minutes at best. But there you go. If you have questions, write them down. Bring them back. We'll, we'll, we'll do question and answer session the last Sunday of the month.